Hello, everyone. My guest today is Noah Abelson Gertler. He's a lover of dogs, people, uncontrollable laughter, and for some reason, water fountains. More importantly, he's the founder of Share Root, which we'll dive into today. Noah, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, sir. All right. How, what do water fountains have to do with Share Root? How do they connect? So uh, they don't connect in any way. Uh, I love water fountains. It's the drinking fountains, specifically because they are free and they are. They provide the elixir of life, water, and anybody can access them. So I love it. All right. What about your tool? Is it the equivalent, you know, to software as water and the elixir of life is to us? <laughs> You're so spot on. It's crazy. No, we're, <laughs> we're, we're uh, yeah. So, so we're working on a platform. Our main focus right now is a platform that's all about giving control over consumer data and privacy back in the hands of consumers, which is really important. You've got the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica scandal that kind of brought it all top of mind and legislation throughout the world is, is pushing this change. We're finally, as consumers, we're going to be able to have control over our What's data. What's the tech built on? Uh, the Python, Django, um, and then the rest, I would say, talk to our development team. There, there's a lot of interesting companies right now. I, I'm i placing bets in this space. I mean, I haven't financially placed bets, but intellectually, okay. my bets on this space in terms of users like you and I owning our content, I just think blockchain is going to be the easiest way to do that, right? With encrypted codes for each piece of content you'd create. Why Why are you approaching it your way with a traditional tech stack versus using something like blockchain? Yeah, so we, we've heavily considered blockchain. It, it isn't out of the picture or not in the cards. So that's a simple way of explaining it. Um, the reason was uh, initially why we didn't dive into it was testing it not on the blockchain was the easiest way to test. But I, there, there's a f- it's very technical, uh, some of which I don't understand, but there's a few ways that make it difficult in order to have that data be accessible from the consumers and not from the companies in certain ways to have it rest on the blockchain. So in other words, again, test out the concept first. It's kind of like the MVP principle, right? Test out the concept first in the easiest way to build it and then consider going blockchain. And then I'll, I'll kind of raise you one on this, which is crypto, um, although not exactly blockchain, but but crypto as a related um, side of that industry is something that we're also looking at because consumers are going to need to be motivated and incentivized to share their data, right? Uh, t- take a brand like Chevron or Shell or, you know, any oil company around, you're probably not going to want to share your address or your marital status or your interests with that company, right? So through ShareRoots Media Consent Platform, we will enable the incentivizing of consumers to be able to share their data because, again, with the changing legislations, consumers don't need to share their data anymore. They get to make those decisions. Sure. Walk me through a little bit of the history here. When did you launch the company? Launched the company five years ago, in, a little bit over five years ago, in my co-founder's backyard in Berkeley, California. We've gone through a wild uh, set of events. We participated in 500 startups in the first year and a half, something like that. Grew the team to eight people. Uh, then went in, and we were focused on Pinterest at the time, so something wholly different. Then we went to a full-scale pivot. And then we identified the potential of going public in an international market as a route towards fundraising that wouldn't pigeonhole us to VCs. Uh, there are benefits to VCs, and there are also a lot of reasons to not go in that direction. How much have you raised to date? We've raised about $10 million to date. Okay. And we raised about 600000 before going public uh, on the Australian Stock Exchange. Okay, so some of that, so some of that $10 million was from the IPO? 
Yeah, yeah, about 3.5. Okay, got it. So you'd raise about 6.5 yeah. prior to that. Um, no, sorry. So we raised about 600,000 uh, before getting on the path of IPO, getting on the path of going public. Once we started on the path of going public, we did a small raise through Australian-based investors. We ended up going public on the Australian Stock Exchange, which is their main board. It's like the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange out there. So we did a raise initially, and then we did an IPO raise, even though we did a reverse merger, which is a respect thing out there. Whereas in the US, if you do a reverse merger, it's just garbage. Explain, like, explain what that is. Yeah. So a reverse merger is there are companies that are public entities, also known as shells. So this is a public company, a company that has gone public that is not doing so well and has gotten to a position where it realizes, hey, our business just isn't going to work out. So then they open up and they say, look, there is value in just being a public entity. So now let's look around in the world or in the market to figure out what promising company we can pull into our shell, into our public entity, and essentially help that company go public because we see that company as uh, having a lot of potential. And, who and was, which company was that? So, yes. Yeah, so we merged into, drum roll, a company called Monto Minerals, which is in the tin mining space. So naturally, you go from tin mining to social media marketing. I mean, it's okay. it's a direct fit. So I don't understand. This this mining company is now part of ShareRoot. So this mining company basically stopped all their operations, right? So once they dug a few times in Australia, they realized, look, we, we're not going to be able to do the tin mining thing. So they look around, they say, okay, we've got this shell. It's worth about $1.5 million Australian, which is just the public entity. Let's find a company that can come in and take over the shell. We'll change the name into what that company is going to be. And we as directors or we as shareholders of Monto Mineral will now get shareholding in this new company that we bring in. So ShareRoot was introduced to them once we had started down the path of looking into going public. It's very confusing. Oh, so you went public via a reverse merger, right? You basically said someone else already did the hard ad and work. They already did the road show. Let's just put our brand into them, essentially. And now we have all the upside of a public company. Two catches. One, there's a lot of admin, a little bit less when you do a reverse merger, but there's still a lot of admin. So tune of about five to six months worth. Uh, and then road shows did two of them and lead up to going public and have since done another like eight or nine. Why did so you want I, to do that though? Why, why put your brand under this other thing and deal with all the confusion? Yeah. So being a public entity is, is the reason why. So since going public on the Australian stock exchange, we have raised numerous times um, and we've done it in an environment where again, if we were uh, in bed with a VC, we wouldn't have been able to raise and the VC would have you know, taking priority shares on top of priority shares, right? Like as VCs invest, they get the next, they get the top priority of share class. And as you go down that ladder of priority with VCs, you find that the founders are the second to the bottom and the team members are at the bottom. And that's, that's ridiculous to me. What, give me a general science of just like the company size today. So like last month, how much revenue did you do? Yeah. So a little bit confusing. We made an acquisition about three months ago. So our revenue jumped up. So we, in the previous quarter, we closed about, in US dollars, we closed about 700K in revenue, um, majority on agency side of the business, whereas SaaS revenue um, was up at about 80K on the quarter, something like that. 
And uh, the company is progressively growing in revenue and we're doing it through, you know, mixed. So no, I'm um, sorry, just, just to be clear, let's just focus pre-acquisition. Pre-acquisition, what was ARR run rate? Just the SaaS revenue. Yeah, a little bit above 200K. Okay, 200K. And then add on the agency revenue, again, pre-acquisition? Uh, pre-acquisition, another one, let's call it, and just rough here, let's call it a bit over 1 million. Okay, got it. And that was like cash basically to help the company you know, grow. Now, are you focused more on growing that or growing the SaaS revenue? Yeah, so we're, we're multi-pronged. Number one, we're going to make more acquisitions. Number two, the SaaS focus around this new platform all about giving control over uh, consumer privacy and data into the hands of the consumers. That is a huge focus of ours and simultaneously growing the revenue for the agency business that we acquired. Okay. Uh, our, on the Australian you know, exchange, you know, in U.S. markets, private, uh, sorry, SaaS companies are valued at very different PE ratios than an agency is. How are you being valued? An agency or a SaaS company? Uh, a, a blend of the two and B, at the micro cap or small cap space, so our market cap right now is about seven million US. So our market cap um, is due to just the fluctuations of market sentiment. So if you have a really good investor relations story, you could be well over bloated in valuation. And if you don't do a great job on IR, on investor relations, you can find yourself significantly undervalued. Mm -hmm. So why do people know you're going to hate me for this question, but I have to ask it. So, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about like if I was investing in the company. So you basically have, I mean, you're an agency with a million bucks in revenue, right? If I just, which could disappear now, you have to keep hustling every year to get that, get that money. You're basically doing 16 grand a month right now, 200 grand in ARR. If it's a SaaS multiple into 7 million, anyone can do that math. That's like what 30 or 40 X, right? I would go, that's crazy. I would never do that. And I've never seen agents agencies even valued. So you do 1.2 million annually pre-acquisition. I've never seen agencies valued at six or seven X on top line. Typically it's on EBITDA margins and it's 1.5 to like two X. So are you overvalued? Uh, so it's a good question. I guess it just defines, I mean, it depends on how you define being overvalued, right? You can look at like so many SaaS companies that have just been burning significant revenue, uh, burning money and masses, right? Millions on a quarterly basis. And if you took a company like that and you brought it to Australia and put it on the stock exchange, they would be more judged on their profit margins rather than the actual uh, revenue numbers themselves. So Why? because we're, it's just how the market looks at it. So if someone was spending and burning per month two million bucks, but they were adding four million a new ARR, the market wouldn't understand that that's a high growth company worth investing in. High growth is one thing. I in that specific case they would. Um, but let's say that they weren't in a high growth fashion, right? Let's say oh, they were just cruising at, you know, 2 million in revenue and 4 million in spend. Well, yeah, in the US, those don't get valued. Those wouldn't get valued very high. Yeah, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to drive is that just the scenario is different because the market judges things differently out there. And then one other, one other thing that you touched on there is, hey, high growth. What is that? Well, that shows a promising story for the future, known as kind of, you know, blue ocean ideas um, or blue sky ideas, depending on how you call it. And so in Australia, on the markets, blue sky is is a big deal. Yeah. And again, that comes down to your communications, right? Who'd you your acquire? So we acquired a social media marketing firm based out of Melbourne, in Australia. Uh, the CEO of the company just won Female Entrepreneur of the Year Award for all of Melbourne and Victoria, which is kind of the the 
larger uh, area around Melbourne, and they focus specifically on the STEM, so science, technology, medicine space, uh, in addition to public companies, right, public entities. Their growth potential is there. Our growth potential as a Wait, sorry, I don't understand that company. Sorry, you said a social media marketing company focused on STEM? Yeah, wild, right? Well, wait, so, so it's an agency that services STEM clients like colleges and stuff? Uh, so maybe we're de- defining STEM. So science, medicine, technology. So yeah, so think a pharmaceutical company or a skincare brand or- But it's agency. Yes. What I'm trying to get is it's, they're not selling software to STEM. They are doing agency work for STEM clients. Yeah, exactly. Okay, got it. So, yeah, or a university, like as you mentioned, a university needs to look good to its, uh, you know, uh, sorry, current students and and also uh, previous students, right? And they need. And what did you pay like, for this this company? Uh, so we paid. Simplify it. We we paid about a hundred and thirty k US with additional performance on top. It was supposed to be about three hundred and fifty k. But there was uh, some debt that uh, was discovered over time. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so now what's combined revenue? You guys both together. It sounds like you're doing 1.2 and then you added on what they have. Yeah. So in, in the previous quarter, this is where it's going to get confusing. In the previous quarter, it's only been one quarter that we've been together. In the previous quarter, we closed 870K Australian, which let's call it about 650K US. So we had a really strong quarter. Can we maintain that level uh, of revenue moving forward for the next three quarters. No, we won't. Uh, but combined, could we get into a position where we're near 2 million? Yeah, we can. And our SaaS revenue is increasing. That's for uh, a technology that we've had for about three years. And we have this brand new technology that's all about protecting consumer data and privacy, of which we're doing a beta test and then a pilot program and then rolling it, rolling it out commercially in Q4. So we have a lot of different things that we're kind of juggling all at once. But the blue sky is there. The uh, increased revenue recently from the previous quarter is there. So there's a lot of different reasons why the market is excited. Yeah, I've just never seen a, a essentially what you are as an agency. You're selling professional services one off and there are some very small SaaS. I've just never seen an agency that's like sub outside like the big ones, right? The huge international brands. I've never seen one go public with less than two million in revenue and 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 have that be like a a strategy that makes sense for people, but it sounds like you're able to tell a story that the market's validating and excited about. And that's what's allowing you to keep the market cap at whatever to eight or nine or 10 million. Well, let me just spin this for one quick second. We only acquired this business, this agency, which is the majority of that revenue. We only acquired that, um, three April 7th of this year, we went public two and a half years ago at the time that we went public. We had a UGC software that was the first in that it enabled companies to get a legal licensing contract signed by a consumer saying, yes, UCLA or yes, Costco, you can use my photo in your advertising. You can take a video and put it in a TV commercial. This is the SaaS side of the business, right? This is the SaaS side of the business. This is what we were doing about three years ago when we started looking at going public. We went public in the early days of January of 2016, so two and a half years ago. What was our MRR at the time? MRR was uh, at about $700 when we went public. Market cap at the time was 13 million Australian. Let's just for simplicity purposes call it 10 and a half million US. That's $700 in MRR. So market, so again, I mean that, that's going to give you a bit more context here. Yeah, but Adam, why? Like when you, when I hear you say that, I say whoever's putting money behind you is an idiot. 
Like that's all I hear. That's all I hear is like, I don't understand why would someone value an agency on professional services revenue at like seven X revenue? I don't understand. So Noah, you call me Adam, but that's okay. (laughs) No worries. Both Jewish names. It works. Um, uh, why with it? Yeah. I mean, look, the market was going crazy at the time, right? The market was going crazy and we had big blue chip clients, you know, McDonald's, Universal Pictures, ConAgra Foods, and, you know, we had a pitch that made a lot of sense to Aussie investors. A lot of those investors have since left because we weren't, uh, it didn't blow up into an enterprise platform in that way. Uh, there's a lot of other companies on the Australian stock exchange that were way over bloated in valuation. Things that you wouldn't even believe. We're talking hundreds of millions in market cap. Sure. And they're, you know, under a million dollars in quarterly revenue. And so it's a different world out there. There's a lot that goes into it. Again, roadshows, trips, you're constantly uh, talked about on chat forums, that sort of thing. Uh, but How we do you make it- money from this, Noah? Besides the salary, like, I mean, it sounds like to me what you're saying is you've, you lost investors from when you were doing out. It was frothy when you went out. You took advantage of that like a smart entrepreneur would. Great timing, right? But like, h- how do you generate wealth for yourself from this? Personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's equity in the company as you raise more capital than you dilute. Uh, but my equity in the company is, is the reason why, and also being able to, you know, push forward for the team members and the shareholders alike who believe in what we're doing. So it's not, I don't want to be cliche, but it's not completely about me, right? Like at this, at this stage. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what's motivating you, right? Because if, yeah, you own equity in a company, but other investors are leaving on the public markets. There's a valuation that who who the hell knows if you're going to be able to grow into it and actually get a good return on that and see the stock price go up, right? So I'm trying to figure out like what's keeping you attached because you have a high opportunity cost. You seem like a young guy, a lot of energy. You went through 500, so you have a network. Get the hell out of this. Go launch a new software company where you get real value, like, you know, real multiples that you can actually grow into and go make a billion dollars. Yeah, I actually see uh, the track that we've taken as a company is, is actually the right track to go rather than necessarily the 500, uh, you know, or going back to like the VC. Kind I'm of just saying you're company. capable. I'm not saying go raise VC, but you if you got into 500, you're a founder that knows what you're doing. You know how to build tech. Go build a private SaaS company, bootstrap it to millions in revenue and make yourself rich. How are you going to get rich off this? I mean, honestly, how you make money on this? One, you're making me blush. Two... <laughs> Got a little bit of sun, so I don't know if you can tell. Uh, but look, there is high upside. That's the easiest way of explaining it, right? So if there wasn't high upside, no way would I say. But in real it. or your ability to tell a story? I mean, you're a good-looking guy right now. I'm crediting six million of the market cap because you're a semi-good-looking guy. <laughs> I don't even know how to continue with that. I mean, this is I'm being hit on. I'm no, very- I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what's going through your brain. This this stuff yeah. must have cost through your brain. Like, right? I'm gonna bring in this female founder. That's a great story. Maybe make her the CEO. I can get the hell out, go back and start my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So so I see us as being able to grow two main ways, right? So the privacy and data. Uh, protection stuff is huge, right? And and that's changing the way that marketing is being done. So if we can do that right with our platform, I'm thinking a 50 million market cap is is very attainable and not under the metrics that you would need to get there under the way that you're thinking about it. Uh, focus number two is ICS is having an opportunity to bring in a significant or, or a bunch of additional companies that bridge both services in the marketing space and technology in the marketing space. If you look around at the public markets, 
there isn't a successful company that bridges a marketing company, both services and tech. And I believe we can do that. So I actually see us as being able to have the capability down the line of dual listing on the NASDAQ or, or New York stock exchange, even though at this stage you're looking at it and saying, well, you're, you know, just a guy who's semi good looking and you know, you have energy. I mean, and you have 2 million in agency revenue. Right. And 2 million in agency revenue and, and some promising technology that we're building right now. And another technology that is kicking out 17 K and MRR a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's just where I get stuck is like you, you, you keep using the word technology, but less than 10% of your revenue is tech enabled. I mean, it's professional. You're a mark, you're a marketing company, you're an agency. So we'll see what scales faster. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully you'll have me on again or something. I would love I, to. I would love yeah. to. All right, Adam. Uh, no, let's wrap. By the way, I keep calling you Adam because your last name starts with like an A-B-A-D. And yeah. I just, for whatever reason, it popped in my head. But anyways, Noah, let's wrap up here uh, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, my God. Uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? God, that's a really difficult one. Uh, I would say no. Okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? I do not want to be cliche here, but I'm a sales guy. I'm going Salesforce. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I've upped it recently, which is great. So about seven. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Married, no kiddos yet. Probably within the next year, we'll start trying. What about you? Hey, single, ready to mingle, no kids, man. (laughs) I couldn't do, I could not do what I do if I was married with kids. All right. And how old are you? I am 32. 32. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Ooh, that's exciting. 20 or mid-20s? What are we talking about here? It's 20. Out of school. 20? Uh, I wasn't out of school yet. Um, Jeez. Just keep going with what you're doing and, you know, things kind of progress and move their way around and it works. You know, it works over time. Guys, keep going. I think more importantly, what I've learned from this one is just get creative. He went public via a reverse merger into essentially a mining company. How's about now 200 grand in AR to call it another million, a million and a half of agency revenue on top of that. Looking to scale the tech site on some promising things related to UGC data protection and having consumers actually own their data and potentially even sell it at their choice or at their choosing. Noah, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me, Nathan.